Amen. Do you know that beautiful Saviour? Because if you know him, uh, he cannot be anything but beautiful. He cannot be anything but worthy. He cannot be anything but the centre of your life. And this is the message that comes out time and again from Paul's preaching. Uh, as we continue through uh, his letters to the church at Rome, uh, he expresses his faith. But it's a faith of action. It's a faith for faith. So he's preaching. His, his faith is given to him by God in order that he, he might be stirred, his heart stirred and moved to bring the gospel to the nations, the nations who so desperately need it. And we need it too. Uh, we're going to be continuing in Romans, as I say, we're going to be reading in just a short while. I'll ask Michael to come and uh, read for us uh, from Romans chapter 9. He's going to read from verse 30 of, of chapter 9 into verse 10 of chapter 10. Hopefully that's easy to remember. 10, 10. All right. Uh, 9.30 to 10.10. 10. From faith, for faith, the gospel. Is that word, is the living word in your mouth and in your heart? Paul actually reverses it. He says it needs to be in your heart and then it will be in your mouth. All right. Is, is that living word in your mouth and in your heart? That's a reference that Paul makes to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. You see, the apostles, all of them, saw the fulfillment of the Old Testament in Christ. That's what their message is all about. They took the scriptures that they knew, that they had been taught since they were children. And when they encountered Christ, when they met Christ, when he called them to himself, they discovered that it's all about him. The scriptures tell his story. Remember earlier I mentioned the game hide and seek, right? Okay, the Christian life is a game of hide and seek. Not any old game of hide and seek, but you hide the gospel. We hide the gospel in our heart. And then we go out boldly and seek others, seek the lost for God. That is the Christian life. But the game of hide and seek, there are various ways to play the game. There are various hiding places. But eventually everyone gets found, don't they, in hide and seek? Apart from my brother Gus. Uh, or apart from if you found a particularly uh, interesting uh, hiding place, particularly hard to find place. But even then, you get found eventually because you need to come out for dinner, right? You can't stay there forever. You need to come out and be found. In some ways, life, as I say, is like hide and seek, but there's only two ways to play, ultimately. I'm using more figurative speech here, okay? The world's rules or God's rules. We hear about different games, don't we, with this set of rules or that set of rules. We're going to play according to this set of rules, all right? So that everyone knows how we're going to play and how we're going to judge. Monopoly has loads of different sets of rules, doesn't it? Depending on who's playing it. Depending on whether you can visit the bank again later on to get a bailout. There are lenient rules and there are tighter rules. But as far as hide and seek is concerned, in life there's two ways of playing. There's the world's rules 
and God's rules. The world's rules is hide from God and seek your own satisfaction. All right? World's rules. Hide from God and seek your own satisfaction. That's one way to play. And I warrant to say that's how we all start playing the life game. And then there's God's rules. Hide the gospel in your heart and seek the lost. So how are you playing hide and seek? How are you playing? Which rules are you playing by? Because whether we play according to the world's rules or God's rules, that will determine our direction. It will determine our fate. And whether we're playing by the world's rules or God's rules, that will be determined by whether or not the word of God is in our mouth and in our heart. Okay? So is the word of God in your mouth and in your heart? I'm going to invite Michael to come and read for us from Romans. Romans 9 verse 30 uh, through to 10, 10. Romans 9.30 verse 10 to 10. What then shall we say? Then the Gentiles who did not pursue, uh, pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desires and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they were zealous of God, but their zeal is not based on, on, on knowledge, since they did not know that the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish oh no, since they did not know that the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses described this um, describe, describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ from the dead. But, who, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith we that is, that is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess you are saved. No worries. Bless you. Amen. We give thanks to God for that amazing promise that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Remember that word justified means that you become righteous. Okay? Okay? So it's with your mouth. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. See how Paul turns it round? Okay? He turns Deuteronomy round uh, from uh, the word being in your mouth and in your heart. So having your heart change first, and then it pours out of your mouth. Let's unpack this uh, this morning. Um, as we do so, I've got three S's for you. Uh, firstly, seeking. Secondly, stumbling. And thirdly, submitting. Seeking, stumbling, and submitting. We know, don't we, hopefully from two weeks ago when we were last in the book of Romans... Uh, we know that some Jews were saved by God's merciful grace, just as we are. His remnant saved out of Israel for his purposes. Uh, and they were saved just as we are by trusting in God's righteous mercy and receiving uh, his gift of faith. As indeed, Abraham trusted God, right? We're told in uh, the Old Testament that Abraham believed God and was saved by faith. And so we are too. And we know according to Paul's words in the verses uh, that we read previously in chapter 9, that God saved this remnant of Jews. God had his true people from among the Israelites, those to whom he gave saving faith for his eternal purpose and glory. These Jews were not saved by their own religious efforts. They were not saved by their efforts to seek God and keep his laws. They weren't saved by going to the synagogue or going to the temple and making offerings. But though they were sinners and lawbreakers just as we are, they were saved by God in order that his great grace and his loving kindness would be seen and reverenced by all God's people. Isn't God good in giving us what they and what we really need? The gift of faith. The gift of faith. His grace communicated to us through faith. And by that faith we receive his forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ. We become righteous in Christ, though we have not earned it, though we are far from righteous. In fact, the whole story of the Bible, friends, this is to children as well as to adults, the whole story of the Bible, and this will help you to understand it as you grow. Uh, your parents will show you the Bible. They will introduce you to it, I hope, and pray. Uh, and then as you encounter that book, you'll uncover the truth that the Bible tells us all about how God made everything that is, the world and everything in it. He made the whole universe. But not only did God make everything, he interacts with us. He seeks us out. Why? Because he made us to know him. In fact, if we do not know God, then the Bible tells us that we cannot truly live. 
When I say that we need to know God, I don't mean that we only need to know about God. That isn't enough. We need to know him personally. That's what it means for the word to take root and to take residence in our heart. It means God comes and takes his place in our lives, his right, rightful place. We're to walk with him in the garden, it tells us. You know, Adam and Eve, before the fall, before they broke God's laws, they walked with God in the cool of the day, in the garden, the wonderful garden that God had made. And so God wants to restore us to walk, to live with him, to talk with him, and to listen to him. And when, we, when our lives look like this and we submit gradually to his perfect plan, then we will truly flourish. We will become who we are designed to be. Now the world is increasingly confused about who we are, isn't it? Who we are, why we are, what's our purpose? Well, God has made it clear in scripture that he made us men and women, that we're to go and subdue the world, we're to uh, a man is to be joined to his wife, to have children, to make a family, to live in community, and to build a prosperous and blessed world with God's help. We will become who we are designed to be. Now this does not mean that we will be guaranteed financial or material blessings. Though the reality is that most of us have more than we need. But we will have what we truly need. We will have priceless blessings. Insurmountable joy that abides with us. Despite what is going on in our lives. And a surpassing hope that carries us all the way through life to eternity. So is this the life that you know? Is this the God that you know? Because whether or not we have been sought and found by God will determine the way we live our lives. You know those rules, how we play hide and seek. Uh, which rules do we play by? Whether or not God has sought and found us will determine whether or not he's now walking with us. If he's walking with us, we will want to walk with him. We will want to live our lives with him, following his ways and pleasing him, because he is our friend. Now, many girls have a BFF, don't they? Any girl's got a BFF here, you don't have to tell me who it is, alright? Yeah, there's a couple over there, there's one over there. Anyone got a BFF? Looking, I can't see Rebecca because she's behind the pillar. Well, I can see Precious. Yeah? There's a few more hands going up. Okay. What does BFF stand for? Some of you are thinking, BFF? What? Yes. Best friend forever. Right? Best friend forever. Now, in church, I could make that mean something else, right? And I will do in just a minute. Okay? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, well, is that really true? Is your friend who's your BFF now going to always be your BFF? 
Well, we don't know, do we? Let's be honest. We don't know. You can hope so. You can pour into that relationship. You can do everything you can to make that happen. But it may not happen. Right? Often, the reality is that we or our friends move away. Or they discover new friends. Or they go to a new school. Sometimes, sadly, we lose a friend when they die. Maybe they forget who we are. But if our friends die knowing Jesus, and if we know Jesus, the Bible says we'll see them again. Because we have an even better forever friend. God himself. You see how central Jesus is for us to thrive in life. Everything else is only temporary. And not only that, everything else is broken if we do not have Jesus. If we seek to live our lives our way, building things our way, the way we like them, playing the game by our rules and not God's rules, we cannot help but fail. Because our lives are short and our view, the way we see things, is oh so narrow. Okay? Have you realised that yet? Have you realised the limited scope that you have? No matter how long you've lived, no matter how well travelled you are, no matter how many books you've read, our, our view, our scope is narrow. But God sees everything, friends. God sees everything. We need him to show us the way. If he doesn't show us the way, we inevitably get lost. And we can get very lost indeed. And the world is an unforgiving place. But hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul reminds us that God is not far away. Quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14, Paul tells us that the word is near you. Verse 10 of chapter, uh, verse 8 of chapter 10. Who is the word? Shout it out. Jesus. Jesus is the word, the living word of God. Amen. Paul says the same thing in Acts 17 verse 27. He says, God is not far from each one of us. Yet we try to do things our way. We try to do religion and build lives our way. We do not want to involve God. And this is our big mistake. Instead, like Jesus says, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And eat with him. And he with me. Friends, Jesus is knocking. Because he is seeking. He is seeking his people. And so is he seeking you this morning. No matter how old you are. If you're listening to me. And you're hearing Jesus' voice. Then he is seeking you. Has he become your BFF, your best friend forever. Because Jesus certainly can be.
Who's doing the seeking? And what are we seeking? Second point, stumbling. Praise God, God saved some of the Jews. Okay, Out of the nation of Israel, he saved some of them. We give him glory and thanks for that. But sadly, many of the Jews thought that they could earn salvation by keeping God's holy law. They believed that because they were God's special chosen people, that they were holier than other nations and peoples. They looked down on people from other backgrounds and kept themselves apart from them. Rather than seeking the lost from among the people of the world, the Jews kept their knowledge of God to themselves. Was that a kind thing to do? No. And not only was it not a kind thing to do, it was directly disobedient to God. You see, the Bible was not only a story of creation and how creation went wrong, it's also a story of God's faithfulness. God's continual faithfulness and loving kindness towards his people. Again and again he shows it to them, the people of Israel and the Jews. From generation to generation, since the creation of the world, in the life of Abraham and in his descendants, as Israel grew in number and became a whole nation, God never once let them down. Never once. Now you tell me where you could find a better friend than that. But they let God down frequently, didn't they? And if we're honest, so do we. But what matters is that we know God's loving kindness. His grace in sending the Lord Jesus to be our saviour. Dying on the cross for our sins. So that our punishment became his punishment by his blood, blood that he willingly gave for us. It's through that that we are saved. Not through our own religious piety or efforts. Our sins get transferred to Jesus on the cross and Jesus' perfect righteousness gets transferred to us. Could you want for anything better than that, friend? That is the kind of good news that we need. That's the kind of good news that we need to hide in our hearts and then build our lives on. I mean, we need to hide that deep in our hearts from the youngest to the very oldest. We know that we're not right. We can't stop ourselves from acting selfishly and hurting others. We certainly can't stop ourselves hurting God with our thoughts and our attitudes. But God is so loving and so merciful that through Jesus he is ready and able to forgive any wrongdoing. Praise God. No matter how serious our wrongdoing, God is ready to save us if we repent of our sin. We say we're truly sorry. Receive his grace and put our trust in Jesus alone. All of this happens when we receive the gift of saving faith from God. Paul says of the Jews 
In verse 3 of chapter 10, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They didn't want God's righteousness. They wanted to establish a righteousness of their own. But the law of God that was given through Moses was never meant to be a recipe for perfect living. It was always meant to show us the extent of our rebellious nature. It was meant to bring us on our knees before God. In order that we might know him personally and come to know his grace. Friends, so how are you doing today? Are you trying to build a temple with your own hands? According to your own design? Are you trying to seek God with all your strength and establish your own righteousness? Or have you come to know that you have no righteousness of your own? That in fact God is seeking you. Actually, he must seek us out. And he must show us how lost we are before the good news of Jesus the Saviour becomes truly good news. Otherwise, if we are good people, as the world likes to believe, why do we need a Saviour? I mean, if we're just good people and God loves us how we are, why do we need a saviour? It's only in the knowledge of our sinfulness and need for Christ and having received his grace by the gift of faith that we will want to seek others for him and to show them the same incredible God that we have come to know ourselves. It was a stumbling block for the Jews. Let's pray it's not a stumbling block for us or for our friends and family. Instead, may he help us to submit to his plan of salvation. May he help us to submit to seek his righteousness and his glory in our lives. That's my final point, submitting. You know, Muslims will tell us that Islam is all about submission to God, to Allah. In fact, that's what the name Islam means. Submission. But is that the kind of submission that the Bible teaches? Well, quite simply, no. Submission in Islam is all about bowing down to God and following his rules. Becoming law keepers once again. Islam is a religion teaching salvation by works. You must be a good Muslim to stand before God when the scales are balanced. How good have you been? Friends, the good news about Christianity is that Christ is good. And that his righteousness is given to us, is given to you. As Paul says here in these verses, the gospel has set us free from trying to ascend to heaven in our own strength and piety, verse 6. Why? 
Because in attempting to rise in our own merit, it has the effect of what? Bringing Christ down. Okay? We try to rise in our own merit, it brings Christ down. We no longer have need of a saviour if we try to be righteous in our own strength. And Islam, Islam does what? It brings Jesus down. It denies the lordship of Christ. It denies that he is God. Why? Because it has to. Because it is a self-salvation message. Just be a good Muslim. Now I'm not here, friends, to bash Islam. All right? What I want us to see is what false religion looks like compared to true religion. We don't want to become like Muslims, saying it's all about what we do, how we are good Christians, how we earn our way into heaven. I'm not saying don't be charitable. I'm not saying don't serve your brothers and sisters. Hallelujah, do all of that. But don't base your salvation on it. Don't put your trust in it. Because we have a great saviour the Lord Jesus Christ, who is glorified forevermore. As we've heard already, there's no such thing as a good person, Muslim or otherwise. The reality is, next to God's holy standard, we all stand condemned, because we have all sinned against him in thought and word and deed. And in fact, we repeatedly do so. Yet, wholehearted submission to God is what he's looking for. But submission to what, friends? Submission to his grace. Submission to receiving his righteousness as a free gift in Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what makes the difference, friends. Otherwise, you're just going to be on a relentless, impossible task to try and be righteous and Zealous enough, religious enough to earn God's favour. We can never do that. Christ has done it already. Amen? Praise God. We submit to his grace, to receiving his righteousness as a free gift. Christ's righteousness for our sin. You've been carrying a bag of sin around. You've been laying awake at night. Worried, troubled by your sin. There's no sin too big for Christ to just take it, nail it to the cross with him. That's why he came. He willingly went to the cross to do that, to make that exchange for you and for me. If we take this unbelievably amazing offer up, friends, it's the best offer that you could ever hear ever receive then there is a cost the cost is this we must recognise that Christ is God and as God he is Lord and Lord of our lives not just a part of our lives not just a Sunday part of our lives but the whole of our lives Jesus gets to call the shots And so Jesus becomes everything to us. He is so incredibly good that following him is no longer a chore, but
But it becomes an absolute joy, friends. That's why we love to do so much together here at Free Baptist Church. That's why we love people to become full members and participate in the life of the church. Joyfully live together to declare his worth. Jesus becomes everything to us. Christian lives are lives of submission. As Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 5, and as Christ's other apostles taught as well, born again lives are lives that are given over for worship. They're given over to Jesus wholeheartedly. Not just on a Sunday morning when we gather here for worship, but every morning, every day when we get up and plan the day ahead, whether we're going to school or heading out to work, whether we're caring for someone or planning other activities. Jesus is front and centre of that plan, those plans. So are we putting God first, friends? Are we surrendering to him and his grace? Because this is Paul's message to the church at Rome, in the centre of the Roman Empire, right? The centre of the known world. Paul is saying, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what your background, whether you are the chosen people of God, the Jews, or whether you're a Gentile from whichever background, you need to get right with God. And Jesus is the way. Jesus' righteousness can be yours if you put your trust in him. So let us surrender to him and his grace. You see, Paul's argument is that a life that has been redeemed by God, no matter who you are and whatever your background is, if God has sought you out, you will know it and you will show it. You will be aware of just how amazing God is, how full of grace he is, and how this knowledge transforms your life. Not only will you know it, but others will be blown away by the wholehearted transformation as you live out your life. Paul explains it this way. If the word of God has taken up residence in your heart, then it will, it must overflow from your mouth. Friends, we will not be able to keep quiet about the wonderful person that God is, that Jesus is, God in the flesh. We will not be able to keep quiet about his way of redemption. Notice what Paul says at the beginning of chapter 10. Paul's heart's desire is for his fellow Jews. And his prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, he says in verse 1. His heart's desire is that his brothers may be saved, may come to know the same Messiah, the same Saviour that he's come to know. This is Paul's wholehearted response to Christ working in his own heart. That he now knows just how lost his people are because he was one of them. Totally zealous but with no knowledge of the grace of God in Jesus. Now, Paul has submitted to God's righteousness. 
He's no longer chasing his own glory. He's no longer chasing his own righteousness and performance and ticking all those religious boxes. He has submitted to God's righteousness. And he now deeply desires it for his brothers. Paul's heart has become broken for his own sin. And it is broken for his people too. Because the word of God has taken root in his heart. And now it overflows to write this letter. To preach in the synagogues and in the marketplaces. To debate with the scholars and with the philosophers. To challenge the powers that be. The, you know, the powers that continue to propagate the world's system of false religiosity and niceness. You know, the, the world's rules of how to play hide and seek. You don't really need God. Just hide from God and seek your own glory, seek your own benefit. Paul challenges that. Paul is not happy to allow that to continue. Are we happy to allow that to, to continue in our day? To allow the kind of backstabbing brokenness that we see in our media day in, day out. And not only in the media, but in our own lives as well. In our own workplaces. Are we happy with that? God is not happy with that. We shouldn't be happy with that either. And we have something to say about it, don't we? We have Jesus. We have his words of kindness and of love. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Isn't that a marvellous promise of God? If you want to have a memory verse today, just note down Romans 10.9. All right, we're not going to go over it again here, but just note down Romans ten nine. If you're a child, think Romans ten nine. All right, go home on the way home, or when you get home, open the Bible Romans ten nine. Say it over to yourself. It's a promise of God, friends. With heart transformation, the supernatural surgery of God within us. When that happens. We are justified. We receive the righteousness of Jesus. And this then overflows out of us in our verbal confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. And he has something to say to me and to you and to your friends. And this is not only a verbal confession, but as we will see next time, it transforms the whole of our lives in practice as well. To God be the glory now and always. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer.